Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, hockey world. It's Thursday, June 23rd, otherwise known as Draft Eve. I am Michael Agello. I'm Jillian Fisher. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. <laughs> I'm Eklund. And, you know... Someone someone told me the other day that we should rank the Russ excitement scale on his intros as to what it, you know, there's, there's, there's it's a subtle thing but I've picked up on like the the happy Russ the sad Russ the mad Russ the confused Russ he's forgiven this, he drove he drove seven hours yesterday this sounds like the tired Russ to me yeah um, which is legitimate because Russ is as you know the foremost es- expert in in prospects in the NHL and regular on our podcast and we love having him here um and he is in. The, did you guys? Did you guys get a house up there? Is that what happens every time a draft yeah, comes around? Yeah, we got a house. There's like six of us here. There's a couple of Finns. There's a couple of Canadians. <laughs> a couple so, of Finns. I was really curious like, when you said a couple of Finns. I was like, wait, like Finns? Like, like Finns? Like, I, maybe I thought maybe you were talking like sharks well, fans. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's where I get that. So it's just you. It's just a bunch of prospect guys, or a bunch of guys who are really um, who are good, you know, prospect people like yourself. No, no, it's a mix. It's a mix of prospect okay. guys and, and hockey reporters. Got it. Very cool. Basically, Anyways. we're a house full of people that don't want to pay the NHL rate. I, I have a couple fins here. I see. I see. There's a couple fins. So this is this is all just a cheap thing. Yes. Just, just to save money. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Because what I picture, whenever I picture a prospect house, I picture women in bikinis walking around. Like I know there's nothing There's nothing like... sexist of you. There's nothing that brings out the uh, the sexy women no, no. like hockey prospect reporters. I've learned this over time. Like this is one thing that you know you guys have. You guys get all the babes. You get all the women. Oh, hold on a second. No, I'll have my drink on the veranda later. Right, right. There you go. So you guys- <laughs> this is the one time of the year people are nicer to me. It's true. It's true. Everybody wants you on their show right now. So we're we yeah. have you all the time, and we're really fortunate to have you today. We're gonna take advantage of you. So there you go. So let's get the no, but we no. I mean, honestly, you could have easily blown us off today with all the responsibilities you have. So we really thank you for that. Um, okay, so let's get into it. Um, I went on my PK Subban rant last night, as you guys all saw. Yeah, I, I thought it was particularly funny, act, but the, you know, I mean, honestly, the. I, I don't think that they would even be floating his name out there if ownership wasn't in sort of tacit agreement that maybe it's time to move him. Now, I, I'm not saying that there's any guarantee he is going to be moved. And based on the value of defensemen right now, I mean, look at the two contracts that have just been signed. And we'll talk about Yandel in a minute. But Goligoski getting 5.4, and I, I like him. He's a decent defenseman. Subban is one of the top ten defensemen in the league, and if you could get a phenomenal return for him, you have to go out there and at least explore what you get could get in a deal for him. No, I think that that's totally wrong. Um, I'd like to agree with you, but we'd both be wrong, Mike. That's better to think about <laughs> that. Um, because honestly, the really <laughs> the fact is this: that there's no way. I mean, this is this is a non-tradable player. They shouldn't be traded. You can't get you can't get equal return for him. You don't have a solid defense besides him. You have a goalie who's been hurt on an entire year and you're trying to you gotta protect that goalie a little bit with some defensemen. 
I just think that is 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 crazy, and I cannot. And like I said, if they they should take a page out of Nashville's book, Montreal has to learn from Nashville. And I know that that's crazy to say. People are people are all over me about that. But Nashville gets approached by Shea Weber about Shea Weber all the time, and their response is always the same: "We're not even going to discuss it." Um, now Montreal's coming out and saying, of course, all the right things in the media that we're not trading, we're not trading him, and yet I know that they're discussing it with teams. Um, they're not they're not shopping him. I'm not saying that you know the Canadians aren't shopping PK Subban at all, but they are definitely talking about it. Now, some people say, oh, that's just what they have to do. That's the professional thing to do. I, see, I, I think that this, it's a damaging thing to do. Like, I think it's a really potentially damaging thing to do to a team that, that you know, this guy is the leader of, and one of the leaders of. Um, and Players get used to it. They do get used to it. And they do. It'll, he basically knows by July 1st it's over, so this is just right. sort of kicking the tires. You know what it's like? It's like when you own a house and you put it up on Zillow, you're like, well, I'm not selling my house, but let me just see what they think it's worth. And then it, all of a sudden, you think it's worth a, a lot more than you thought. Then it's like, wait a minute, maybe I should think about selling that house. But then you don't really sell it, but you looked at it because you looked at it. Yeah, That's but your house, your house doesn't have feelings, you know, like. Well, maybe your house has feelings, but you know, if if your house suddenly then starts breaking down and is all pissed off at you because you tried to you you tried to sell it down there, and that's one thing, but. To me, I mean, PK is 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 unique. Is in a unique situation and a unique team that really needs stability of any kind. Um, and what they're doing, yes, you can get a king's ransom for him, but you're going unless you can get this is like one of those typical trades where the best player wins. Like there can be twelve players going back and forth, but the best player wins. Um, and that's what I feel like in this trade. And unless this is like an Eric Lindros trade, which is not going to be, you know. It's going to no, be the best player, and the best player is going to be PK Subban. And they could get a, they could get three or four guys, but the best player is going to be. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. If okay, and by no means is this a lock or even been widely reported, but we we talked about, and I heard it mentioned on other outlets about you know Subban for Malkin. In a right. Subban for Malkin deal. Who's that is the closest player? you can get. That's the closest you can get. Okay, that is not. But I still, if I'm Montreal, I'm still not doing it. Because his defense, because because you're looking at a defenseman, and you're looking at a, a pillar in the community, and and you're looking at a person who really, this team needs this player. I mean, uh, maybe I'm am I am I crazy? I mean, Russ, you're laughing at me. Am I crazy for saying that? I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at my housemates trying to you know blow it up for me. Um, I right. would say that I think with with Subban, it's because he's so close to the to the no move, no trade, and because of the way the expansion draft is and everybody, anything else like that, I think all these players now that have that getting ready to kick in, everybody's talking about them to see what they could get for them because there is the worry that, hey, we're going to give up somebody good to the expansion team, and then there's also the worry that the cap is really like a lot less than we thought it was going to be, and we've got all this money tied up. We have to sort of do this as due diligence for the team. Yeah, yeah. We'll move on. I, I, I think we're gonna go in circles. I, 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 I do. I see where you're coming from with, with PK. Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, this, I, see, I, I mean, okay, I, I will, I will agree with the, you know, the extraordinary uh, PR that PK gets in Montreal, and deservedly so, with all the things that he does in the community. I mean, but that only goes so far. The, what, what really the Canadians are concerned about is the product on the ice. And he was healthy for most of the year last year. Carey Price was not. And that team went in the tank with P.K. Subban. And that doesn't mean that he's not a good player, but it means that with Carey Price gone, 
P.K. Subban couldn't raise the level of that team by himself enough to even get them to f- close to 500. And yeah. that, you know, you got a guy who's making $9 million a year, highest paid defenseman. I think he's in the top five or top six uh, salaries in the league. Yeah. And by himself, he didn't elevate his play or elevate his team's play enough to keep their head above water. So you have to consider he's 27 years old. He's in, I think, the second or third year of that lengthy deal, you know, and and that no-move clause drops in on July 1. I think before it does, you have to take take a look around and see what is being offered. Maybe it's not good enough, but maybe there's something there that entices them, and maybe they jump at it. He takes up eight percent of the cap. Yeah, yeah, but you know he's a, you know the core in Montreal is what? What is the core of that team? You know, he Patrick Price. It's Subban, Price, and Pacioretty. Those three players. Yeah, right? those three. Those three. Those are your three players that you that you that you build from. That's your starting point. And yeah. if you take one of them out, you've got to get another building block because you don't have any other building blocks. And three building blocks is ideally, I think you'd rather have like four or five building blocks. You've got three. Well, I think Galchenyuk is a building block. I still think that he could be. He could be. You might be right. Um, you know, and I'm a Galchenyuk guy myself, so I think that that could be true. But and there is a an interesting correlation between Subban and this player that's supposed to be a free agent um, next week called Steven Stamkos. <laughs> he, um, there's an interesting correlation well, between. Never heard of him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He he was pretty good. Um, he was pretty highly touted prospect at one point. Um, so anyway, he is in a situation now where you're seeing what's going on in Tampa. The Tampa's kind of put a line in the sand a little bit, like, okay, $8.5 million, that's the line in the sand we've drawn, right? And that's what's happened. Yeah. And that everybody knows is not enough money to make it happen. This doesn't isn't too dissimilar from Montreal's line in the sand they drew with P.K. Saban. Remember? Yeah. Um, it was like $7 million. There was a line that they drew in the sand, and, and then at the last minute, quote-unquote, the ownership came in and said, "We are not. We're stepping in and fixing this thing." And we and they got PK Subban signed for a crazy amount of money, right? So they went to I, arbitra- they went to arbitration. After. They went to arbitration first, right? And then which which put a deadline on it. You know this so that this has a deadline too in this in a similar way, right? So we're in a, in the spot here where this is a deadline, and now we're looking at okay, PK Subban is signed for that amount of money, and there are some people that also feeds into this, that they're paying him more than they wanted to pay him, but the owners wanted to pay him this. At the end of the day, the owners made this decision, and at the end of the day, that the owner, what the owners say does matter, and it's, I've seen it oh, yeah. in, this, in other places, right? So I talked to another owner of a different franchise today who's not at all connected to anybody. He's not in the Stamco sweepstakes. He's friends with Vinick, though, and he's friends with other owners, you know, and they're all kind of tight. They're all in the same kind of... Uh, youth, the youthful owner group, I call them, and um, he said to me, he said, I really think, and I think Jeff Vinnick thinks that he's that they're going to keep him, that they're going to find a way to keep him. Now, that is, you know, I'm not saying how, I'm not saying if he's, st- I still think, I still think he could go to July 1st as a free agent, um, but you know, there's, we haven't seen his rights traded yet, which is a little bit interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that if we see, if we, are we going to see his rights trade at the draft? It's possible still. Yeah, see, that, that's the thing. I I don't. I think the time is almost past for that because twelve oh one tomorrow night or twelve oh one Saturday. So after the first round is over with, literally about an, of an hour after the first round will be done, then teams can start t- talking to Stephen Stamkos. Right. So then you don't need to trade rights. Right. So you're talking thirty. You're talking a little less than thirty six hours. Nothing really can be accomplished. Unless you're the Maple Leafs and Frederick Anderson, uh, but like you said, I, um, nothing can be accomplished in that small of a yeah. window to give up a second-round pick or something like that to, to, to trade for his rights. 
So yeah, I, it doesn't I, seem like it's really even being discussed at this point. Like that's what I've I see your point. Like he, they may come to an agreement where they say, "Go see what you can get, but right. come back to us last." And then it's up to Jeff Vinnick. He might over supersede Steve Eiserman and say, "Hey, I'll give you more." That's always possible. Yeah, and I do think there's other levels to this. I do think that St. Louis is talking to Eiserman, talking to Stamkos as well. Um, but but we're, we're, for, we're forgetting one thing, Ak. You know, I mean, you said you said Tampa's point of view that Tampa wants to wants to keep him. We're forgetting what Stamkos wants. No, and I'm I'm, I'm factoring in what Stamkos wants because basically, from from all of my meetings with Stamkos and from other people, I mean, and this hasn't, I haven't, I've talked talked to Steven Stamkos. He hasn't talked to anybody about this, right? So this is the, we're going back before all this, but just from getting to know him pretty well um, over the, you know, I've talked to him like five or six times. I've had some pretty long interviews with him. I've, you know, Kevin Allen's talked about, you know, him being in airports with him and hanging out with him. Everything we've heard about Stamkos is how much he loves playing in Tampa. The one thing I do know is that he loves it there. He loves the fact that he can be anonymous to a degree. He can go out. And do his thing. It's there's not a lot of pressure. When you sign for eighty million dollars in an, in a in a Montana Canadian city, no matter what it is, or if it's a or if it's a border city like Buffalo, that's going to change. His life's going to change. He he talks about how much he hated just going to travel there. I mean that's that's how much he hated to just having to be there and not being able to go out the front door of a hotel when he's visiting Toronto. So it's like there's a whole bunch of I mean this kind of stuff. I just everything I know of him tells me that this is not the best spot. You know. For me, everything I know is, but but I, everything I mean, everything I know points to Tampa. The the only team that I could see that when because I got, I wrote yesterday, I, one of my sources told me that there's a that there's another team involved that no one's talked about that's a that's a contender. And the only team I think I can think of is Nashville. Now I don't think that's possible. No, but, I, but but at the same time, you know, I talked to Nashville today, and, and I got back, you know, and I have good sources there. Is that they're kicking tires on it, but they're not. I don't think it's anything really, you know possible, but that's the kind of situation that you could see Stamkos going to, because there's another, it's a similar, there's another team, if the money's better, it's a low impact team as far as the media goes, it's a contending team as far as the chances to win a Stanley Cup goes, they have the money if they want to do it, um, they could pull, they could put it together. I, 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 can, I, can, I can take a guess who that team is. No, I mean, I th who do you think it is? I mean, I think the only thing I, I think it was. I think it's I think it's Anaheim. I think because they have a t they have a ton of cap space. Yeah, and they would have to decide to go above their normal budget and make that happen. Uh, the other team that keeps coming up is is the L.A. Kings. Um, but that's another one who. That's you know, a I mean, that's really. Oh yeah, no, you'd have to do. I mean, Brown would have to be you know have to be moved out of there. The things would have to happen right for that to happen. So let's talk. Yeah, let's they'd move probably on. have to buy out Dustin Brown. They would have to buy out Dustin Brown for sure. So moving on from Steven Stamkos to yeah. um, let's talk about Keith Yandel for a second, Russ. This this contract. What are your thoughts, Russ? We've lost the Yandel contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about Keith Yandel. Uh, I thought. Look, I I don't think the years is overly crazy. I'm not in love with that, but I get that you have to do that to get a player of his quality. Yeah. I think the um the annual salary year per salary was at six point three five. That's high. Yeah, I mean, I it's higher than I would want to pay him, but the interesting thing is he, you know, and and again we're going by Larry Brooks here saying that his minimum was five point five for the Rangers, and then I guess once he left the Rangers he went to all of a sudden top value, and so that's what happens a lot of times when guys play in New York, they if they come from another place and they're getting paid in the middle of the scale, then they go to New York 
then they come out of New York getting paid top scale. And this is something that, that happens quite a bit. And I'm not saying he didn't earn it because he was very good at a, for a lot of times, but I still think there are a lot of better defensemen than him out there. And I don't mean just defense. Like, he's a good puck possession guy. I get it. He handles the puck well. He didn't score as many goals as I thought he would score, score for them. Uh, Point-wise, he was good, really good, especially last year. And he wasn't used correctly, and I get that for a little while. But at the end of the day, he could have done better. And the fact that he got this kind of raise when not the whole world wouldn't say, hey, he was amazing for the Rangers because he wasn't. Because if he was amazing, they would have gone further. Right. It, just, it, you know, it just tells me that Florida really is serious about winning, and so they had to overpay a bit. And, and we now see um, what their machinations were over the last few weeks to open up cap space were all about. There were some people who thought that they were going to be involved in Stamkos um, because they had they had cleared, I think it was $2.5 million on the Gabranson deal, and then they traded Mark Savard's $4 million cap hit to New Jersey. So they cleared about $6.5 million, and that $6.5 million was just spent on Yandel. Now, I, I agree with Ross. I... I He's a good defenseman. He's a good offensive defenseman. He has at times been a liability in his own end defensively because he takes a lot of offensive chances. The league is going that way in terms of defensemen being more rovers, you know, the Brent Burns types of guys. They, they're more acceptable, and I think Yandel is in that, sort of in that area. But, I mean, I, I just don't know. First of all, if Florida is close enough to winning that adding Yandel now makes sense, and really, now they're going to have to pay Ekblad, I think, pretty close to what Yandel's making, so that's going to increase their, their payroll a bit. And if they don't add Brian Campbell, and really their defense is sort of in flux. They blew out, they're losing Willie Mitchell. They're, they may lose Campbell. They bring in Yandel. There's been talk about Kulikov, whether they trade him or keep him. I mean, they, they've lost Gabranson, so really it's, it's sort of a reshuffle of their defense, and I don't know at the end of it if they're going to be better than they were last year. Yeah, I think Kulikov's probably available now. That's my guess. Yeah, no, and I think Brian Campbell's not returning, right? So we kind of get no, that. Now, and I and along those lines, Russ, I heard Brian Campbell might be an option for the Rangers. Yeah, you know, look, they there has been a lot of talk with Campbell over the years going to the Rangers, going back to when he was going to be leaving the Sabers, and so I, I'll say this in the most positive way possible: <laughs> it wouldn't shock me that five years after they were interested in a player, that they finally get him. <laughs> That's what happened. It's, it's the Dan Boyle emeritus position there, Russ. I mean, they, they're always going to get this forty-year-old guy who's on his last legs to fill that that bottom pairing spot. Not on his last legs. He's still effective on the power play, but yeah. but look, he's not the same guy. We know that, and so he's a better than. He, look, he's an upgrade to Dan Boyle, and I'll I'll leave it there. Yeah, yeah. No, he is, and and I think. Um, I mean, if if the if it's a two-year contract or something like that, it's it's fine, you know. Like, we're, and and I think what comes down with Campbell now, from what I've understood, is he just wants to win. Like, he wants to go to a place where he can win. He's he's done it all. I mean, he's made a ton of money. He's 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 played in a lot of situations. I think Chicago is a very good bet for him still because they uh they have, you know, he might go there and play for like one and a half million dollars, like something like crazy like that, you know, that just doesn't because his wife's from Chicago. There's a lot of possibilities there, and Chicago needs that. Chicago, that that's the idea. That's the kind of thing the Hawks 
would do too. They would make that happen. They would get that done. And he goes there and he has a really significant shot at winning. Well, I mean, I mean, Stan Bowman has been able to pull that off over the last few years, getting somebody to take less money to come in there. I know, you know, we criticize Brad Richards, but you know, Brad Richards, I think it was a million and a half dollars to go to Chicago and he won a Stanley cup. So yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I want to address one other thing real quickly is the, um, and then, um, you know what's really a shame is that we can't talk about the awards enough, like today, because we don't have time for it with all the stuff that's going on. But I do want to address the awards briefly. Could have. Didn't need to talk about Stamkos for the sixth time in a row. I know, I know, but we do, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, the reality is we do. And, um, you know, so there, here's my, my thinking is this, like, the awards ceremony, let's let's just throw a couple things out there. First of all, Gary Bettman is an actor. What do we think? Um, Terrible. Uh, not not so bad. I don't. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Right. I'm but, not going to say he's terrible at all. Let me let me rephrase. Gary Bettman as an actor, not bad. Brendan Shanahan as an actor, not bad. The skit and Will Arnett, terrible. Oh, I didn't think it was that bad, honestly. And Will Arnett, yeah, I don't know. Will Arnett is a Leaf fan, so you'd think I'd be more amenable to uh, to his uh, humor, but I, I I thought I wasn't laughing at anything. Yeah. At almost anything. That's. I mean, and I think that's the problem is that everyone takes it so serious. I think it was. It's time that we start injecting a little freaking humor into these things and not take ourselves all so serious. No, that I, it was the first time that I really saw them poke fun at teams and not making the playoffs and things like that. That's okay. Like I don't know why we all have to feel like it's got to be so serious. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And but I mean, can we just get to the point where award ceremonies were the concept of, you know, a guy going up there and saying. Most valuable player is a term thrown around a lot these days. It could mean many things, like the most or the most valuable or that thing, you know. Or and, and you know, and and then someone says, "Well, you know, there's a funny story about that." What is the funny? You know, it's like, do we have? Can we can we get some people who can improvise on stage? Is what I'm trying to say, like, do we need? I mean, I mean, Penn and Teller, who are freaking hilarious, and their show is amazing in Vegas. I've talked to people, and they're incre- They were horrible. I mean, it's like, what is this, like, you know, Gary Bettman, you know? Yeah, like wh- They know nothing about hockey. They're probably not hockey fans. They're in Vegas. No, they, but they're smart they, people. I mean, could they the possibly? You, you I have, mean, this is the thing. You have to be interested and, and knowledgeable about the vernacular of the sport to be able to be humorous about it. No, right? I do agree with that. But, I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, we've had funnier shows than that. I mean, this is like, it was so terrible. I mean, I mean the wins and losses, you know, from wins and I was just like, holy cow! I mean, and a hockey puck, you know, a hockey stick on the craps tables. I mean, this is like, this is like, but what I don't get is Penn and Teller. These are professionals. These are guys who have been doing this forever. How can they even go out there and say these kind of things? Like, they know how terrible this is. What are they doing? I mean, just they're collecting a paycheck is what they're doing. Yeah. It's really bad. I mean, it, yeah, they, that, they, that's, that, that's the thing. A presentation like last night. I know I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm screaming to the hills and nobody's nobody's listening. But it's okay. a, pres- a presentation like that last night makes me wish that they would just issue a press release with the winners <laughs> and not have a not have an award ceremony. Almost agree Stop with that it. in the sense of like that Stop NHL it. players are the worst when it comes to like the acceptance speeches. Oh my god, it's it's like you're watching the post game interviews. I mean, they're saying the same yeah. stuff. It's like. It's because we live in a social media world where everything you say and do is analyzed out the wazoo, so everyone is being super, super careful. 
with what they do, and they're afraid. And they what they don't realize is that you know to get to live in this world like we all. I mean, I get ripped all the time, but and and it's normal. I mean, I'll say stupid things every day. You guys know it. You everybody knows it. I mean, on the on the show, I'll sit come in here and I'll make some I'll make some stupid comment that I didn't that I didn't understand or didn't mean or whatever. Um, but you have to own up to it. The fact that we're all just in this, we're all making mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, right? Every person in this planet makes mistakes, and but the entirety of it. I always say this, like we, I might be somewhat hockey knowledgeable, but the readers, as an entire group, are all knowing. You know, so when you take one of them individually, yeah, sure, I might be as smart as them, but there's no way any of us can be as smart as the entire group. You know, so I mean, and and this is what happens on the internet all the time, right? So this is why. You have to just accept this fact and go with it, and just enjoy it, and and don't don't try to be so nervous about it all the time. I mean, it's just, I mean it's I mean I, I get that, and they, they don't want to be controversial. I mean, you know, and it's not in, it's not in their makeup to be glib and to you know to, at least on stage like that. I, I, I just think that you know it would have been funny if Yarmuriaga would have said yeah yeah I'd like to thank my sponsor Geritol or something like that you know I was like but just, you know what the thing is there is a humbling factor too and so sometimes right. these guys are humble to the point where they are at a loss for words like Mike you don't know what yeah. it's like to be at a loss for words but sometimes these guys can be no trust me I know I watch the show every day so I know what it's like. <laughs> oh man I don't know I don't know what it is to be humble Russ because I I am not. No, but I mean, I, I think some of them were good. I actually thought Peter Luko was great introducing Yager. I mean, he, he was because he was normal. He went up there and just said normal. He was he acted normal and he kind of spoke off the cuff to a degree. You know, he said, "Does he have a key?" There, yes, he actually does have a key. He does. He really has a key. They asked the question, you know, does he have a key to the room? Yeah, he does. He goes and works out on his own. I mean, he, he came off really well. There were some moments of it that were great. I was really happy for Shea Weber to win that award. You know, I thought that was that's something that Shea Weber deserved. You know. I would have liked to have seen P.K. Subban win the award he was up for with all the crap that's going on, um, but that's okay. I mean, Giordano, every these guys are all doing great things, and there's no question that they all deserve they all deserve acknowledgement. And just being nominated is great acknowledgement. And the fact also, you those have to three awards are so strikingly similar. I have a hard oh, I know that's the truth. Why there's three of them? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I, I that is such a great point. I mean. The difference between the uh, the heart, the lesser, the the uh, the the, um, the Ted Lindsay Award, the heart, the Mark Messier Award. Let's let's those three awards are like okay. That's why I like the Richard Trophy because it's got that glaring thing to it and all the leaps on it and and so yeah. that's the one that really sort of stands out. And it's and it's and who wins that is just the simplest thing in the world. The guy who scores the most goals. <laughs> it's like. That's who wins it's, it. it's already predetermined. Like the Jennings trophy. Predetermined. That's what gets how it goes on. I mean, you know, I, I was happy for Kopitar. I, you know, thought I thought you know, even though he didn't give a speech, I thought it was pretty funny. The uh, was it Robitaille who got up and spoke for him. Um, you know, and he was funny about the whole thing and you know, thanking Patrice for letting him win one. But it was, that was good stuff. I mean, I thought that was the award though. That's the most subjective in the sense that yeah. it's really hard to get a handle on what the qualifications are for that award because you have to believe, as good as we know Kopitar is, that there are still better defensive players, but then when you take it all into account and you say, okay, the guy wins face-offs, he's a big name and all that, then then it works in his favor. But you know that there are other guys, like Franz Nielsen's a guy, he's very unheralded. You know, there's a lot of guys like that. Oh, yeah. The best defensive player who can also score. That's what it is. It's not the best defensive yeah. player because you know there are shutdown guys who get 
seven goals a year. But these yeah. guys are guys who score 60 or 70 points a year and also play great defense. Right. You know, there's no there's no Doug Jarvis. There's no Bob Gainey. There's right. no Craig Ramsey getting nominated for for the you know for that trophy anymore. So, but I kind of sure. wonder why isn't there? Because yeah. why is there a mix of offense and defense? Why isn't it just defense? Because at the end of the day, having just a defensive forward sort of makes sense because they would get overlooked compared to the 50 to 55 to 70 point guys. So why not have it be just the best defensive forward. I mean, the the award the award was invented to give a player like that acknowledgement. It was invented basically for Bob right. Gainey. So now it's all of a sudden morphed into okay, this guy's good defensively, but he also can score. I mean, that's that, that's sort of bastardizing the, the the purpose of the award. So all right, so. We're going to talk a little bit, a little, and get into a little bit. I wish if the, if the, I'm convinced they do the awards right now because we don't, they don't give us a chance to talk about it. Like if it, if this was after everything else, we would be able to spend a lot of time having fun with a lot of aspects of this, but and we can't because it's just we have to step right into this. June 23rd is a big day in um in Philadelphia Flyers history. I want to throw this out there. So if you expect the Flyers to do something today, you might want to you know keep your phones on. Put it that way because. Let's go back in time. June 23rd, 2011, the Flyers trade Mike Richards and Jeff Carter. Okay. June 23rd, 2012, the Flyers trade James Van Riemsdyk. June 23rd, 2014, the Flyers trade Scott Hartnell. And on June 22nd in December on, you know, on, on 2012, they traded Sergei Bobrovsky. So, we're looking at like this is a June 23rd. The Flyers have a history, history of making trades. They are trying to make trades. I know the Flyers are trying to move up. But um, I just thought that was pretty interesting that this day is one of these uh, is this day that just happens to always be a Flyers day. Um, now here's something that was fascinating to me, Russ, and I want to get everybody's opinion on this. Aaron Port's line, who we know is very tied in with the Blue Jackets because the Blue Jackets, the newspaper is part of the ownership group of the Blue Jackets, so it's pretty much you know as close as you can get to writing for the team without actually officially writing for the team. Um, Wrote today, the Blue Jackets have spoken to the Leafs and the Jets about moving up in the draft order. And they say, it says the price for the number one pick is very steep, but not as steep as it was for McDavid last year. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That is, and th this implies I mean, almost that it can get that it, that there is a price. Like, I, and that's what's kind of funny to me that I just can't imagine that there's a price at all for the number one pick. I can't even see that there is. Do you think there is, Russ? I don't think there's a price for Columbus to go to number one. I do think there's a price for Columbus to go to number two, especially right. if they say, hey, we're going to take Pugliarvi. You could still have line eight. Right. We just want to make sure we get them. And so then there's there's a definitely a price. I don't think there's a price for number one, no. Yeah, I can't see Austin Matthews, them letting Austin Matthews go in any way, shape, or form at this point. I mean, no, they no. worked so hard to get him. It, it's, it's hilarious how, how, the, how the there are so many – instances out there of, of uh, teams that are just trying to keep the pot being stirred and the interest up to draft the, the very moment that the pick is being made. I, I mean, I, 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 they're printing Matthews jerseys more than likely in Toronto right now, so I, I don't think... Oh, they that, are. I know they are. Yeah, you know, there's, any, there's any chance that the pick be, is, is traded. But, you know, you have to listen you have to say, okay, well, if Yarmo Kekalainen calls up uh, Lou Lamoureux, what is he going to do, hang up the phone? No, I mean, he'll, he'll listen. And if he offers him Seth Jones and the number three and, uh, you know, there are three more first-round picks, okay, we'll listen to that. But 
No, he's not going to offer that, and the Leafs aren't going to trade the pick, so they can talk, but it's not happening. Yeah, I just can't see it. I mean, I I don't know. I, we have never we haven't seen that many of those type of pick. When was the last time we saw the first pick overall traded? Oh, wasn't a Bone Easter that draft? Was it, it was Bowmeister? Florida, wasn't it? I'm trying to remember. Um, it was it was, it was Florida. It was yeah. I'll I'll look it up. Was I'll it, it, it Toronto? No, no. It, I, I'm pretty sure it was the it was the, the Bone Easter draft. I think that was the last one. Yeah, that was in Toronto. Yeah. 2002? 2002, yeah. It was Rick Nash. Yep. Okay, there you go. Um, here you go. So this is – we wonder why the Blackhawks trade away their first-round picks. Here's an interesting thing that was sent to me. You want to know the last the, – the, the, the Blackhawks' first-round picks from 20, 2008 to 2012? They're a pretty interesting group. Um, Kyle Beach, gone. Uh, Dylan Olsen, gone. Kevin Hayes, wouldn't even sign there. Mark McNeil, gone. Philip Dano, gone. Tevo Teravainen, traded. So <laughs> why not trade your draft picks ahead of time? If you're no, sure. This is the price of keeping a core together, not yeah. a function of a team that wants to do this. But, don't, but I mean, when you have first-round picks, you'd still like, – yeah, you're right. I mean, well, well the core players – obviously, Teravainen was traded, but he's the only one really on there that you can say was traded to keep the core together, don't you think? I mean – No, I think – I think a few others too. I mean, Beach was a function of injuries, right? So that that's right. the reason. So uh, Dano was, I think, to give him playing time. I think that one was actually to be fair to him. Okay. Uh, Olsen, I really don't remember what the uh, the reason was for that one, so I don't remember. And Mark McNeil. He's, he's McNeil, actually. I, I think they just didn't have a role for him based on the fact of guys that they decided to keep because they really liked McNeil a lot. Yeah, and and he's still in the, he's still with their AHL team, and I know he, I think he was called up for a game last year, and I've yeah. seen him play once or twice. I think he could make the NHL. He may not have a big impact, but he I think he could make the NHL. And yeah, he's yeah, and we've talked about their 2013 pick uh, Ryan Hartman. I think he's a he's a very good prospect. Yeah, yeah. Now he I expect will come up this year based on the recent movement of of Taravain and so, but again. And it's tough for McNeil, so they may end up trading a guy like McNeil just right. because they're keeping a certain amount of guys together and yeah. they just don't have a, a spot for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the um, Shirelli came out and said that there's a greater than 50% chance that the Oilers will stick with their fourth overall pick, that they're not going to move it. But that's still not a great percentage. I mean, that's like uh, greater than 50% doesn't really isn't that, isn't a resounding that they're going to keep it. Well, yeah, no. I think that's chances than the roulette wheel, though. So I think, you know, he's, he's still playing games. He's still yeah, playing games. Tied in with Edmonton, I, I read I read something uh, early this morning uh, saying that the value out there for Nail Yakupov yeah. is nothing more than a third-round pick. I don't buy that. I, well, I don't I mean, buy it either. I, I don't buy it either, but, but it wasn't from one person in one rumor. It was an accumulation of different reports. And if that's the case, I mean, how how the mighty have fallen? I mean, if I, if I was the Buffalo Sabres, I traded for that. Then we'll know. If I was the Buffalo Sabres yeah. and they had three third round picks, I would trade one of them for Nail Yakupov because you already threw one, probably threw one away, trading, uh, hoping that you sign Jimmy VC, which you're probably not going to be able to. If it's really a third round pick, he will be gone tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, there's no right. question about it. Like that, I don't think that's the case. I, I just don't think. I think that. I think it's more complicated. It is more complicated. Now, now I will say this: that there is an in, internally 
there's a lot of people saying that there's stuff with Yakupov that they don't like, and you hear a lot of people in the hockey world say, "Oh yeah, he's like you know he's." It was um I think even one of my one I read some tweet somewhere where he was like one bad year away from being in the KHL, I mean, things like that. So I mean I don't necessarily I don't buy it. I mean that's really unfair on the kid I think because personally you know he's in, he's been in such a terrible situation for such a long time. Yeah, but and last year he finally got into a relatively better situation and and did well in it you know for the brief period of time he was there. And then McDavid got hurt, and then McDavid got hurt and he went back yeah. to playing with somebody else. But that that KHL rumor has been around for years, and there's there's no proof. I mean, the only way he goes to the KHL if he keeps getting screwed and played in third and fourth line roles when he should be played as a top six forward and given an opportunity to show his talents. Right, that's true. Um, another one I th- I've been re- reading about today, um, read about today, is that Benning came out and said he does have interest in Milan Lucic, which is interesting. Um, I don't. Think that's where Lucic ends up going, though. But that's just just from what I've heard so far. I, I still hear Edmonton, and I hear Florida with Lucic as well. That Florida could actually get more involved too. So Florida is definitely trying to make a big push here. I think there's a big impetus on Florida to do something quickly, um, and I think that they 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 have been patient. They build a team with a couple years of patience, but I don't think there's any more patience in Florida. I get that feeling. Like I get the yeah, feeling. I, I, that. I could see I could see Florida. I, I, there's always going to be the Vancouver talk, yeah. And whether it happens or not, it's another story. But I could see Florida. Yeah. And yeah. Edmonton makes sense because it's Fiorelli, and I wouldn't. I and then just putting two and two together here, I would not count out a team like the Islanders, especially if they let a Pozo walk. Yeah. You know, Lucic is that big, power forward type of guy, and maybe a guy who could play with Tavares. I'd agree with that too. Um, uh, on Oposo, what I've gotten, what I've been hearing so far is that um, is the, are the Kings and the Wild are the two teams that are interested. I've also heard um, Eric Stahl in, mentioned with the Minnesota Wild as well. Um, and I, I would, I would really like to know. I gotta, I gotta stop you there too. I mean, there's heavy rumors the Rangers are still negotiating with Eric Stahl. I've heard that too. Yeah, that that's pretty crazy if that's the case, right? I mean, I I just think that that's I don't know. I mean, no, they gave up a lot for him, so maybe. Not necessarily if they get them for a lower a lower price, but I would like to know. I would like somebody to explain it to me how the Minnesota Wild are pursuing anybody with the cap jail that they are in right now. Because unless they're buying out Thomas Vanek, they don't have the room to sign Diddley Squat. Well, they are. So I mean, I think the I think the fact is that they know how they're going to do it. <laughs> because, you know, maybe, I wish I knew how they were going to do it as well, but um. I, I definitely heard Stamkos is not in Minnesota's plans. Um, <laughs> Thank you. We'll give wow. you that much. No, I mean it's true, and and you know, but they were there were there were there were talks about that for sure. Um, and on the Malkin stuff, I want to touch base on because there's a lot of different talks about Malkin and stuff like that, and um, you know, and you know, like I said, he was available. It, you know, Rutherford's come out and said to McKenzie, I guess, that he wasn't available. Anymore, um, yet I still hear people saying that secretly there are talks going on with different teams about him. I don't think that I don't think you know I don't I wouldn't expect Rutherford to say anything, but he wasn't available publicly because this is a big player. You can't you know I can't they're not exactly shopping him, but they are listening on him. Uh, similar to what we talked about with PK Subban, from what I understand, and uh, I definitely know that that's happening. I mean, I talk to people, you know, and I will swear to you that I. That they are, they've had discussions with people. So if he's not available, they really are talking about him at least to people. Well, um, and whether or not he actually gets traded or not, 
is still you know highly unlikely because this is a tough this is a tough trade to pull off. But uh, the fact is that there's something to that. There is something to this, and you know well, I know I don't know where it goes from here, but there there's definitely discussions going on. That's all I can say. That's the kind, that's the kind of deal that you can't really negotiate in public. You can't really that that has to be one that just takes everybody's side by surprise. You you got to keep it on the on the QT on the down low. And you know, if it doesn't happen, then you can just deny the rumors are actually even happening. But you know, coming off a of Stanley Cup, if you're going to trade Malkin, I think you're 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 risking damage to the organization in terms of a PR stance if you're if you do it if you do it publicly. But I think it's possible. I mean, it, it, this would be the time to move him. His value is probably at its apex, and you know, he's only going to probably go down from here. And he is making over nine million dollars a year, so it might be time. Yeah, yeah. As as, as uh, one of our guys in our chat room says, Malkin must hate winning Stanley Cups. Yeah, that's the case. Um, I'm sure of it. But no, I think it is time to do it. Uh, it. You know, if you can get if you if you can get value for him, I mean, he's obviously incredibly value, valuable. Um, and there's definitely. I'm getting a sense it's not going to happen, though. I'm just. Yeah, I'm getting right that sense too. I think if I was, to, I would have said that the whole long, all along that it's probably not going to happen anyway because it's one. It is a really hard thing to pull off. You know. Um, the Subban stuff made a little bit of sense because of the in in terms of that's the closest thing you could see to something that would that would maybe benefit both sides. But I, and I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. So which which one do you think is more likely? Well, as far as either Subban or Malkin getting traded, Malkin getting traded is more likely than Subban. I, awesome. I really Russ, which way? Uh, I think it would be Subban at this point because I really do believe Rutherford only because they. They're coming off the cup win, and he apparently kicked the tires with Chicago, so I think he's done. Jillian? Mm-hmm. I was going to say Malkin. No, we're tied because I think it's Subban. No, the difference here is, is, is pretty interesting because Subban wants to stay at Montreal, um, um, and, you know, and, and they need Subban more than the Penguins need Malkin. Um, in my opinion, that's why I say. That's why I say. I mean, the Penguins need. I, you can't sit there and say that. It, I mean, what a team the Penguins are to sit there and be able to say that they can they can survive without Malcolm, but they can, and they, and especially when they get back what they get back. But Subban is so vital to that team, in my opinion. And unless they have other, unless they have some you know magical defenseman that they're going to pick up in UFA, then there's nobody out there that I've seen that can that could even fill that role at all. So. I do think Montreal will kick the tires with Yakupov, though. I do think the Yakupov in Montreal will be a fun one to watch. Um, I think the Flyers will be in on Yakupov as well. It's def- it definitely feels like a Flyers type move. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a third round pick, though. I think it's going to be more. It, it, I would I would say yeah, it's like I think a. If it was a third round pick, the Flyers would have probably done it already just for a third round pick. My guess at the least would be like a second and a third, like a third this year, a second next year type thing. That would be like the least I could see. But I think I don't think Edmonton wants to do that. I think Edmonton really wants to get a defensive, some defensive help right away. I think so too. And that's where they should go. Um, and someone asked me today, is the the future of Radko Gudis in Philadelphia set? And I think it is kind of. I think he's going to get another year at least in there before they start thinking about moving him or whatever. I mean, he is signed still, right? Yeah. And and I think that they liked him. Radko Gudis was a, actually yeah, a really good player. He was a really good player for them. Um, much better than I think they ever expected to get out of him. Yeah, he's an RFA. I've talking to with him that last 25% of the season, he stopped taking dumb penalties, which helped them make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's an RFA, so he probably goes to arbitration. I guess. Yes. Yeah. 
Go and to I think, sign him. I think I'll get another year out of him. I do. I really do. Um, man, quick show, guys. Um, let's um, let's uh, do we have a prospect for today, Russ? Yeah, we do. Andrew Peak. Yeah. I'm sorry, we um, lost you for a second there, Russ. We lost you. So Andrew. Play for the Green Ambler is always a good name. I, I like that name. Yep. Okay, Andrew Peak. Yeah. Andrew Peak. Green Bay Gamblers, defenseman, 6'3", 209, good speed, very good first pass, really gains the offensive zone quickly. He is a right-handed shot, so again, for teams that are looking because, hey, we may only have one or no right-handed shots in, in their organization, this is a guy that I think teams will be looking at late first, sometime in the second, because he's got the size, he's got the speed, he does put up some points, and he's a very confident kid. And I think he's a a guy when a certain amount, like five or six really good defensemen, maybe seven, come off the board, they're going to be thinking about him. Yeah, he, he's somebody that he's somebody that projects anywhere from the, I'd say, late, late first to late mid to late second. I mean, he could go, depending on how defensemen go. Um, crazy echoes going on, guys. One second here. Sorry, I got crazy echoes going down. Um, But, uh. Yeah, while we see that Google lets you guys clear up to if Google wants you guys to talk in a second, let's try it again. But um, <laughs> um the right-handed shot thing is always fascinating to me because that is something that is a real big deal now, Russ. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah. Montreal. The Montreal Canadiens only have right-handed shooting defensemen. That's the strange thing about the Montreal situation. They have no left-handed shooting defensemen. But well, remember how much it angered Mike Babcock in Detroit that he didn't have one. Yeah, they didn't have any, and it is a big deal because it's, it's you're talking about keeping the puck in at the point, basically. That's the major thing, right? So that's what it comes down to. Mike, go ahead. But basically, the peak is the defenseman that after that first level, and I'm talking about not only the top three, but that second level, McAvoy and Bob Rowe and uh, a couple others in the first round, You know, peak is somebody that if a team is looking for a defenseman, and now Toronto's looking for a defenseman, and a lot of teams are looking for defensemen that he's going to be on their radar in the second round. Now, I, I know that he's, I, I believe he's going, uh, I don't know, remember what college he's going to, uh, Ross, maybe maybe you do, but uh, I know he's going going to, into the NCAA, so it's, it's, it's a developmental situation yeah. where he'll probably be for at least a couple of years. But, you know, physical tools and good hockey IQ, I think he's going to probably be a second-round pick. Makes sense. Do we have any socializing with Mr. Peak? Yeah, he has a Twitter. His Instagram's private. Uh, his Twitter is at Andrew Peak twenty. Not mm -hmm. very active. Um, he's a Panthers fan. Um, and then minus that, he has a bromance with Connor Marshall. That's about. That's, <laughs> that's about all I got. That's all right. Is he is he a Florida kid? Is is he a Florida kid? I I, I wasn't sure. I didn't see. No. Uh, I, I don't think so. No. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, because I don't um, think he is. Is he American? Yes, he is American, huh? I believe so. Yeah. Always at this point, at this point in time, Russ, is there anything? Is are, uh, just before we go here, do you get, uh, you know, from where you are, do you get last-minute things like suddenly look out, someone's suddenly shooting up the pole, like that? I they're will just... probably today, like today, when all the media gets together and we start interviewing the guys and asking them a few more questions, and then all the media starts talking to each other, and then there's the media function. Then we get more, yes. Uh, Andrew is from Parkland, Florida, so he is a Florida. Okay. okay. Um, and he is headed to Notre Dame. 
that's where he's. Um, yeah, so. Um, Florida, a hotbed for defensemen right now. What the heck's going on with that? That's crazy. Yeah, he's not the only Florida kid in the draft. There's another one, too, whose name is escaping me right this moment, but there's a few. Well, Chikorin, Chikorin, too, right? I mean, essentially, it's yeah, another. Chikorin, Chikorin's from Boca, but there's another one, so actually it's three. I remember Gossabier is from Florida, too. I mean, just like to throw yeah. out there. Yep. I mean, just just it's it's funny that you're just start. We're really starting to see these teams that went into the NHL all those years ago. They're starting. To, they're, we're starting to see NHL players coming out. And here here here's a um, here's an aspect that you know this is a draft where there's a lot of defensemen who are you know sm- of smaller stature. I mean, it, it, that's acceptable in the league now and players who right. have high end skating ability. But peak is six three two zero five, which you know I think. For some teams that are looking for size and the right-hand shot, that's going to be something that puts him a little higher on the draft board than, than other players. Are we looking at a guy that's several years away from the NHL? Three, four. You know. Oh, he's yeah. three to four years, I think. Yep, yep. Are there really only three players, Russ, that you think that can make it into the NHL next year from this draft? Yeah, I mean, there's always one that'll surprise you. I mean, I guess if Chick Room were in the right role, the Hannafin role, maybe he could do that. Sergachev right. um, for sure. Uh, so I think I think you're looking at potentially four with Sergachev and then the three guys up top, and then maybe you could slide Chick Room in there if someone wanted to. But other right. than that, can't envision anybody else this moment. But we didn't think Daniel Sprong would. And then they, he was in there for a while, and then he was out, right? So those kinds of things make it a little harder sometimes. Right. Interesting. Interesting stuff. All right, guys. Um, great show, everyone. We will be back again tomorrow, which will be actually the draft itself, and um, the draft itself tomorrow night. So we'll be on we'll be on tomorrow during the you know for a normal show. We won't be doing a show during the first round of the draft, um, you know, because everybody will be at the draft. Um, basically, Mike and Russ will be at the draft. Um, but if things start breaking, maybe Jillian and I will do a fun show. Now that my world decided to work, Chase Prisky is the other kid from Florida. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. A defenseman. So if something does break, though, during the draft, something very major, something big, like a Malkin thing or a Stamkos thing or a Subban thing, you know, maybe I'll pop on quickly and give Jillian a ring, and we'll pop on and talk about it um, while everybody's running around. But um, and then the next and then you know on Saturday we may also do something as well. Um, we'll be on officially July first, like we always do, um, fully full out um, on Friday of next week to do a normal long show um, for that day, and that's always fun to count down to noon and then seeing what happens after that. So guys, remember without the buzz. Go ahead, Mike. I no, I said. I'm sorry. Remember without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you then. Have fun. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.